Hello and welcome to Contra Mundum. I'm your host, Pastor Andrew Isker, and with me is my co-host, CJ Engel. Uh, good morning, CJ. GM, how are you? What's 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 going on? What's new? I'm doing good. I um, I was telling you before we went on that I've just had um, a release of a burden that's been with me for several years, and um, it's it's zapped a lot of my intellectual creativity, and it's just been a really difficult struggle for myself particularly in my family at large. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it was, uh, it seems like it's over now. And I'm, I'm for the first time, um, it's like, it's like weird. It's like walking in a new suit, you know, like a new skin suit. I am a new person and it just feels great. So I'm energetic, I'm alive, and I don't have this like thing sitting on my head. So I'm, I'm really just happy for the, like I can actually legitimately say I'm happy right now. <laughs> so it's oh. been a long road. That's great. I'm glad you were able to get back from Ukraine after dealing with that and uh, uh, from our last episode. And uh, and and yeah, and now that now that you were filled with a a vital spirit and full of energy uh, now, you know, everyone that's like CJ needs to say more stuff. Everyone. You know, that's always the critique, uh, which I agree with. Uh, <laughs> we, need, we need more CJ, more CJ. Well, I now cam- I need camera help, too. Yeah. Now, see C- <laughs> now CJ has been unleashed. unleashed now it's it's gonna be all cj all the time here uh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit in the corner yeah uh, but uh no we we've got you know quite a few things to talk about uh this morning we've always got stuff to talk about we can always you know we could always talk about anything uh but there's a few things that that have been unfolding um you know over over the last couple of weeks um one of them just happened we're, we're recording here on a thursday this happened um this last wednesday was um a man in in Utah, an older older man you know, of the Boomer generation, um, had been posting you know threats and 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 violent you know rhetoric online, um, and the FBI sent a SWAT team and and shot him, yeah, killed him, um, and and so I mean the the type of stuff you know we could maybe link to it, maybe we don't want to, uh, the things i mean it was just really really violent uh stuff about biden and democrats and the fbi itself and basically baiting them to do something like this and it it's it's really tragic because this this man apparently has a mentally disabled son that he was the sole provider and caretaker for and now that now that child is um without anyone in the world to to care for him so extremely extremely sad uh story but um, I, I don't know how much you followed that, um, CJ, but uh, I mean, what do you what do you think about this in general, uh, this phenomenon? Because I, I think this kind of stuff is going to continue to to happen. Like people are very angry. Mm-hmm. People see the things that are occurring in our country and they have no real outlet for it other than going on Facebook and saying really crazy. Yeah, stuff. I, I think this kind of stuff is just inevitable. Um, first of all, don't do what this guy did. You have to recognize no. that if you're going to think of the regime as your enemy, which they are, you have to uh, properly calculate what they're willing to do to shut you up. So there's no there's no benefit in behaving like this because they do want to see you eliminated. You know, yeah. and this is the thing that you have to understand is, yes, you're angry. I think these kind of things are going to be inevitable, especially as, you know, economic difficulty begins to face us, um, especially yeah. people of that generation. And they're desperate. And I understand that. Like, these are the people that I'm sympathetic to. The regime is our world historical enemy. 
at the moment, and they are set on destroying our way of life and everything that is near and dear to our hearts. And I think that these types of situations are going to become more common. But um, I guess I would also use this, you know, because people listening to this are probably younger, uh, you know, and, you know, I would just advise being there for those family members who are older and frustrated. You know, I, I see it in my, my dad's generation. You know, I have dad, uncles and, and grandfathers, and they are legitimately angry. Everything that they were promised their entire life about the meaning of being an American, about the meaning of being a citizen here in America, about being part of the United States government is all been proven a lie and their own government hates them and wants to see them dead. And I, they don't really have outlets. They don't really know how to express this anger and this frustration. They have no way of channeling this energy. And this is a temptation for a lot of people. And I think there's other people that we haven't heard about that are probably doing um, even more crazy things because they're so desperate and, and they don't know how to articulate that. That's what that's what Trump was. Trump was a channel. Yeah. He was a sponge that could absorb all of that energy and frustration. You know, and the more that they mock and tease uh, the American people via mechanisms like Donald Trump, the more you're going to see stuff like this. So it's not surprising. Yeah. I think it's on the beginning stages of something that's going to become more systematic. But yeah, don't be stupid online because they are watching and they will retaliate. Yeah. And and, and I think, I mean, some of it is, you know, the phenomenon, like like you said, I mean, this generation, you know, they get ragged on a lot by by our generation. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I do it because, I mean, you, you want to have genuine critiques uh, generationally, like of, of different perspectives of what they of of how this group of people think and believe differently than we do and 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 you know the things that formed them uh, culturally and and so forth um but you know i it's it's not as though that generation is not uh praiseworthy in in many respects as well like these men um all all the men of that generation that i know worked extremely hard their entire lives i mean the the, the boomer is saying the millennial or the zoomer or whatever doesn't have good work ethic is, is, is true. Like he, they're mm-hmm. telling the truth because they, they worked really, really hard. They worked really hard to get to the point where they could retire and enjoy their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, many of them, and I think this place in part of it, many of them, right. They, they retire, especially a lot of them retired around 2020 when the lockdowns and everything happened. Some of them retired early. They're like, ah, it's close to retirement. I'm, I'm, I'm just about where I need to be. And as soon as they cross the threshold that their wealth advisor or whatever told them, okay, you're ready to retire. Um, they retired some of them, maybe a little early. And now the economy has gone down and many of them, their standard of living isn't what they thought it was going to be. And the economy is going to continue to tumble. And it's going to the returns they're going to get on their investments and things like this are not going to be as good as they thought, and so their standard of living isn't isn't that good mm-hmm. uh, compared to what they thought it would be. And then they see all of the political things happening, so they're very angry. They're very and rightfully so. They work their whole lives to be able to enjoy their life, and the problem though is um, like like many whether whether the boomers are angry like like this guy was or the boomers are 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 just still within the system they uh they believe in an america that no longer exists right like uh this guy i mean i'm sure thought oh i have freedom of speech i have you know i have all this and 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 so many of men of this generation think um of like radical revolutionary political change that well if it gets bad enough i've I've heard them say this if it gets bad enough we still have all the guns 
Mm-hmm. And this guy was posting pictures of him in a ghillie suit and, and posting pictures of all his AR-15s and things like that, which is just like, you know, neon sign to, to the FBI or ATF or whatever federal agencies that this guy's a threat. Um, and, and and so, like, they, they think this. They think that we could fight a second American revolution and we could just we could just have a, a civil war and things like this. And they, they post these violent things, these violent fantasies, not realizing that. Um, even if you wanted to do that, that world does not exist. You don't have those capabilities. Like this guy was alone. Mm-hmm. He didn't have, you know, some group of friends ready there to defend him. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is like, if you, if you look at the, like at the articles, like, uh, you know, he, his neighbor said he was just a nice, you know, friendly guy and he was just yeah. you know frustrated and didn't know how to express himself except for online. And then, and then you find out that like, you know, when they showed up to, um, you know, to talk to him the first time, he was basically, you know, saying that he knew his rights and they should come back with a warrant. And people just need to understand all those rights, all those, you know, hedges of protection that the law is supposed to afford you. They don't exist. They exist no. for your enemies. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure you saw the headline about in, in Portland, you know, the, oh, yeah. all the Antifa stuff. They're just completely getting off scot-free. But those rights belong to your enemies now and they don't belong to you to you at all. And you can't depend on them. You can't rest on them to express your rights as an American citizen to critique your government. That's yeah, the we, past. That's we should gone. talk about uh, Portland a little bit because um, yeah. I don't I don't know how many people um, are familiar with some some people are, but Andy uh, is it No, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't I don't know Vietnamese that well. Uh, but uh, he, you know, he was doxxed and attacked by by Antifa in Portland. Uh, viciously, like I think he, he had to go to the hospital if I recall correctly. Yeah. And all of his attackers, all the people that organized it, all the people involved in this, uh, were criminally charged and they walked away scot free, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And 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 the judge, you know, did nothing. I mean, the, the whole legal system in Portland is stacked against um us, you know, stacked against our people. Um, and nothing nothing is gonna fix that or change that. Um, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I mean, I re- we were, we, we went on Joel Webin's show. We saw, you know, all the people freaking out this summer about Joel Webin's book about leaving, you know, fleeing blue areas and things like that, which, you know, especially for like, we live in blue States, but mm-hmm. red parts of blue States. So we're, we're fairly secure. But, if, but I, if I was in Minneapolis or if you were in San Francisco, we would, we would be getting out of those places. Um, and and so it's it's still you know his his critique I think is still very valid, and and it's so our people simply cannot exist in Portland or places like it because it's it's pure anarcho tyranny. Mm-hmm. Like people need to understand this that that yeah. the law it's, yeah it's does so, not protect us. There was at uh, all. was it who I, I don't know who it was, but like everyone obviously gets mad at people who reference anarcho tyranny because the the phrase was coined by Sam Francis at Chronicles mm. and it's racist or whatever. But yeah. literally, we're seeing it play out before our very eyes. We're seeing yeah. the people who cause public mayhem and destruction and are literally anarchic subversives. They're the ones that are being subsidized by the legal system. They're the ones yeah. that are. Um, complete. Everyone turns their heads away from them, and they're allowed to run 
uh, roughshod over the communities in order to get their political revolution accomplished. Meanwhile, law-abiding citizens and people that have done no damage, they're the ones that get um, you know cracked down upon. And so you can see that, and it's going to become more of a theme, and I can't believe that Sam Francis anticipated this by 25 years, yeah. you know, because it was just baked into the cake for him. Um, and all those things that he saw, all the legal changes and all the administrative changes that were taking place, you know, three decades ago are now coming to fruition. And um, if you don't see it within the next five years, you're never going to see it. And I don't know what to say to you, but it's going to become yeah. clear as day, explicit, the South Africanization of America. There are rights that belong to some favored political groups, and there are uh, rights that are specifically denied because of your demographic participation in society. And it's it's going to be shocking. Oh, yeah, you see this. I mean, you, you could you only have to be online for a little bit of time. And I, I, I tell people not to dwell on these things or post them very often or, or share them. I mean, it's it's easy to want to do that. But like you, just the videos of crime in these cities by by one particular group that is allowed to do crime. Uh, because of their their racial and ethnic background um that you know it's it, it, i think this stuff is allowed on the internet uh because and, and not just totally permanently banned uh because it's demoralizing they want us to be demoralized mm -hmm. um but you but you see it and you, and you know that these things are happening i mean it, here in minnesota minneapolis hennepin county is is really the very very worst where um you, you have this prosecutor mary moriarty who was, um, who was a, a defense attorney, a criminal defense attorney for, you know, all, and, and this like, um, ideologue, this advocate of criminal justice reform, mm -hmm. uh, where it just means making crime legal. And she realized, why am I doing this when I could just go be a prosecutor and then just hand down slaps on the wrist? So, I mean, you have mm -hmm. people that are, that are charged with murder that get probation. There was a story. I mean, one of the latest outrages here is that a Somali um, raped and, and brutally beat uh, a homeless woman and was, you know, uh, five or six years ago, uh, was finally caught using you know, DNA. Mm -hmm. And um, he got a couple months probation for it. And it's like, this is a crime that, I mean, incredibly heinous crime this, this guy did. A couple months probation. There was, there was the really outrageous one, also a Somali in Rochester, Minnesota, where he was he was raping children mm -hmm. and he got, I think eight, 18 months in prison. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, uh, we just had this week, uh, uh, Tao Tho, uh, who was one of the officers on the scene of the George Floyd incident. And he was, he was just doing crowd control, right? Yeah. That's all he did there. And he, he's, he's going to have, he just got sentenced to like five years in prison. And, and if you haven't seen the video, I, I shared it. Um, the video of him, um, at his sentencing the entire time he, he became a Christian while undergoing this prosecution. Like a, mm -hmm. a, he had a, a, a genuine conversion and the entire time he spent half an hour preaching the gospel to all, to everybody listening. And I mean, and he talked about, you know, the Pharisees and the leaders of Israel doing, you know, committing this great injustice against Jesus. And I mean, you could tell that he's, you know, obliquely showing that, same kangaroo court thing is being done to him yeah. that he didn't do anything wrong. And he never, he never, he never admitted guilt through the entire time. And mm -hmm. rightfully so he didn't do anything wrong. And mm -hmm. now he's going to prison for five years. Meanwhile, r literal rapists and, and violent uh, criminals get probation mm -hmm. while this guy is, is standing there while George Floyd is 
overdosing and he goes to, to prison for five years. It's, it's, it is, um, it is in total insanity. And, and so, yeah, you have these people like the, you know, you know, people that criticize us, like Jake Medor and Blake Callens, uh, who like, Oh, they, 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 how do you, they're, they're watching this now. Uh, how do you, how do you, how do you like, how do you like my beautiful Minneapolis background? Uh, Blake? Um, <laughs> the, um, they, they, they say, Oh, they mentioned Sam Francis. They mentioned it. It's like, yeah, he was right. Yeah. He was right about all of this. He's yeah, absolutely it, right. We are yeah. what you don't have anything to say about a narco tyranny happening in our country. You're more yeah. worried about Emmett Till, right? 60 years ago, <laughs> right? When exactly. this stuff happens. I mean, you have you have totally racial-based murders of white children by black people, right? You have you know the the most heinous one, um, Cannon Hinnant, where his black neighbor just walked up and shot him point blank in the head because he's a white kid. You have in here in, in the Twin Cities, you have an insane black guy who threw a child off of the third story of, of the mall of America, but mm-hmm. right? you have stuff like that happen. And it's like, that doesn't register at all. That doesn't really matter. Oh, no, no, no. Like these guys have been told their entire lives that white people are evil. White people are evil. White people are evil using Emmett Till and things like that. And then they commit these crimes that are racially based against white people. And it's like, well, that's, that's, you know, it's just, it's a local crime story. It's not really a big deal. It doesn't have any, you know, overarching meta narrative or anything like that. No, it's insane. It's insane. The things that are going on. And if you can't, if you can't admit it, if you can't see that this is the stuff that is occurring in our country, then you are an enemy, right? You're not just stupid. Um, You're not just, you know, not getting it. You are a person that is committed to the, the evil narrative that is being peddled and our, and you are our enemy. That's, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's all it is. Um, so anyway, um, but all this being said, like you can't, you can't fed post and you have to, you have to, I mean, cause you see, you see you, especially boomers who are really angry and they think that they could say these things and there's no, that's not the right outlet. That is, that's a suicidal outlet. If you yeah. do that and you, you have to, the older men in your life, you have to talk to them and, and make them understand this. Exactly. Like this yeah. is, you cannot do that. You're putting your own life at risk. You're putting other people's lives at risk. This this guy in in Utah, you, his yeah. his child, who is is mentally challenged, now has nobody mm-hmm. because you, this guy was selfish you, and wanted a Fed post. Yeah, this is one of the things too. Is um, you know, I know I, I have my you know criticism of of Rod Dreher and all that, but in his in his new book, um, you have criticisms live, of Rod Dreher. I, <laughs> live not by lies. That's what it is. You're telling me now for the first time. I actually reviewed. <laughs> I reviewed positively Rod's book in in Chronicles. Um, yeah. But but one of the things that stood out to me is his idea of learning to suffer well, because mm-hmm. you know, I, and I know you guys, you and I are slightly different on you know, like being white pilled or black pilled or whatever. But regardless of of who's right on that, we have a long struggle ahead of us absolutely probably a hundred plus years you know what i mean to to rebuild yeah so um one of the things that he pointed out was just learning to suffer well and people who are reading this book who are really understanding what time it is who can really recognize the writing on the wall they need to share the ideas of suffering well because this guy was not prepared for this circumstance he was frustrated he didn't know how to handle it he didn't know how to contain it and he didn't know how to channel it for um, some sort of beneficial end 
you know, so he, he, he resorted to social media posting. Um, but I would say that too, is, is, is learn yourself. I, I would look at the writings of, um, lost causes, whether it's, tr you know, traditional Russia or historical conservative Germany, or, you know, even, even the old South, look at how these people have handled situations where they, they saw and witnessed the loss of their culture. Yeah, like the, we're about to go through that. The memoirs and you need to of, learn to suffer uh, through it. Of, of Baron Wrangle, Wrangle, um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the leader of the white army in the Russian Civil War. I mean, that's a lost cause. He, they lost. Yeah. But I mean, this man w was stoic, was firm, was was totally in control of himself and his people. And he saved tens or, or hundreds of thousands of his men from certain death. Right. By, by when they when they um, when they evacuated Crimea. Yeah. Right? Because he kept his cool, because he he understood the time of day, understood the situation. Mm -hmm. and and operated accordingly. Um, yes. Like that's, that's the thing. I mean, and I think some of it too, and I would say yeah, to train, ahead. train your son. Like I've had a good life, like anyone born, you know, in the late eighties and nineties, they've had a, a really leisurely life basically. Yeah. I mean, there's been struggle. I've, I've had my share of struggles for sure, but in adulthood, what, we, it's been difficult for us, but compared to what's coming politically, like your sons need to learn now how to struggle and you need to struggle yeah. well before them because yeah. the regime is going to be much more of an enemy to them than they were to you. Yeah. And so I would say that, you know, train your sons to suffer well uh, and continue to speak those things to, you know, boomers in your church and other people who, um, you know, have a difficulty grasping and, and coping with what's going on and don't let them get down these. I bet there's a lot of people in your church that you don't even realize are posting these things. Yeah. But they are. You yeah, know? they are. They are. I mean, that's, that's that's part of it. I mean, and I think I mean you think about this guy, and, and I, I think about it, it, it just within the context of the church within mm -hmm. within evangelicalism, is there is no there are no churches that have anything for a guy like that. It's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they have nothing for him. He has to apologize for his participation in yeah. racist culture and oh yeah. I mean, he's oh, in yeah. Utah, so it's Mormon world or whatever. But there's evangelical churches there, mm -hmm. and I don't know if he was a Mormon or not. But like, like say he's an you know a, a typical American that is it that is vaguely Christian, yeah, right. There is, there is, and there's all sorts of guys like this in every community. And you think about the typical evangelical church. He goes there, and if he tells the pastor, "Hey, you know, there was this this uh, election and all the problems with it, and like look at all the things that are happening, tens of millions of." You know, foreign, you know, third world people are invading our country. All this kind of stuff is happening. Uh, a narco tyranny everywhere. And this pastor is going to treat him like he is a bad person. Right. That's mm -hmm. like even juggle pastors have been trained to look at these guys and think you are bad. You're evil and racist and misogynistic and bigoted and blah, 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 blah. Right. That's 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 the, you know, standard operating procedure of even juggle evangelicalism right now mm -hmm. in America. So there, there are no churches where you could incorporate a man like this into a community where he could find some hope in, in a people that are like him that see all the problems and have this moderating effect um, on, on a man like this. He didn't have that, right? He doesn't have anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I, if there's anything, it's, it's getting our churches to, to operate in this kind of frame um, to, 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 to see that we are, you know, refugees and exiles in our own country. We, we talked about this before. It's like, yeah, I, I, in one sense, the church is in exile, right? Uh, the, the church that actually gets what's going on ha is, is are, are people without a homeland uh, in our own country.
And mm. you need to take people like that and bring them together and give them hope. And it doesn't need to be a false hope that, yeah, we're going to win tomorrow. Like, you know, Donald Trump's going to get elected. He's going to he's going to fix the deep state and all this kind of stuff. And the Patriots are in control. Like, no, don't give don't peddle stuff like that. But but explain that that history is long, that there mm. that there is a struggle in front of us that your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and descendants of yours that that will never know your name are going to continue fighting this struggle long after you're gone. Yeah. And that's where the hope is that we will continue on, that we will continue that, that you look at, you know, you look at, um, your Russia in the 20th century, right? The Soviet union came and went, um, uh, the Soviet union came and went and, and, and throughout it all, there, there were Christians there that, that remained. Mm -hmm. Um, and the same, the same will be true here, right? The globalist American regime is going to, is, is here. Um, and it's been here for a while. And it's going to continue to become powerful, yet it will, it, it's not going to be forever, right? It, it, it cannot be, it will not be, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's, that, that's the hope that you have to have, but you need to be able to suffer and struggle and continue on living through that. Um, and, and, and so I, that's, I mean, that's what I try to do with, with, with my church, with my people is, is provide a community like that where we get what's going on. We get the things that are taking place, but that we have hope. That we have hope that that Jesus Christ reigns at the Father's right hand, and all of these things are not happening outside of His purview, right? All He's He has allowed America to descend into this insanity because we've rejected Him. That's as clear as day, uh, and and it's not going to stop until we repent. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, and he and and it might be. You know, a small repentance of of a, a small chunk of Christians. And that's this is what my, where my you know white pill kind of hope is. Is it could be you know, ten percent of evangelicalism repenting of of all of these idols that we have that we don't even know that we have, um, and turning to Christ, and all of a sudden, boom, he he gives us a a Constantine type figure to lead us, right? Um, that that is certainly a possibility. Um, but, um, or it could be, you know, like, you know, like CJ has said, it could be a hundred or 200 years from now. I mean, we don't, we don't know how history is going to play out. We don't know what God exactly is doing. Uh, but we, we do know that we have duties to our, our families, to our people, uh, and to continue to press on and fight on and to not do stupid things mm -hmm. that, it, that, that will only end in death, right? That's not, that's not what we should be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, do, do you have anything to say to that? I mean, uh, uh, what, what do you, I mean, what do you think about in terms of, in, in, in terms of the context of the church, what, what churches should be doing? Because there, there are pastors that, that listen to this as, as well. Um, and, and, and also, you know, elders and men that, that have standing in their churches, um, right. What should they be doing? What should they be pushing for? What should they be saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think one of the things that has stood out to me over the last couple of years is, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with getting our ideology right, learning about history and learning about where things are and where things are going. But I would also say, pay particular attention to the people in your church who don't who don't know how to cope with what's happening. You yeah. have to find those people and you have to come around them and build those communities. 
I mean, yeah. we, we talked about, you know, we talked about some of the dynamics of politics in, in other places of the world. We're going to talk about Africa, where there actually is a community of people that can stand together against the globalist American regime. You have to be doing the same thing because there are people in your church that don't see where it's coming and they don't know how to cope and they don't know how to struggle and they're not prepared intellectually or spiritually to struggle. And as I think I think that's one thing that stood out to me is just finding those people and making sure that within your congregation, all the weak, weak leaks are recognized and being addressed um, because, you know, strength, I think, is is called for, um, you know, during the next, you know, several decades of, of transition to wherever this is going. Uh, and I and I don't think you should, um, you know, be so enthusiastic about your your buddies online that you forget about the fact that there are people that are going through real difficulties. Yeah. The people that like they didn't have the scales fall off their eyes and they weren't able to take the red pill. And suddenly they they realize that because they have a racist opinion, they can't they can't get any of their 401k savings or something like that. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with people like that? Because they're going to be tempted to despair and we have to you know, pay attention to things like that too. The physical community yeah. is more important than the online community. Oh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and these people exist are all around you. And I, I think, I mean, just even in terms of, of, you know, if you are in a, in a good church where you have a good pastor that understands these things, um, you have good leadership that, that understands the time of day, um, where you should be reaching out locally is, is to people like this, people like this guy, right? Finding them mm -hmm. and, and, and being a blessing to them and to, to keep them from the way of folly. Um, because they, they exist and they're out there and the churches that, that exist largely want nothing to do with anyone like this. They don't want, they don't want the guy with the, the Trump flags everywhere. Uh, they don't want the guys that, that think that, that he's good. Um, and they, they, they certainly don't want people that are, are political really at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and so that the church has largely has nothing to offer these men. And so you need to be the one that, that does have something to offer them, um, uh, because they're out there. I mean, you, all you have to do is, is be somewhat involved in your community. You go to, you know, I, I like to go to things that like the American Legion, like there's lots of events. That's where all like the really patriotic people in my town are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, different, um, you know, go to, go to the 4th of July thing and the Memorial day thing and the veterans day thing and, and talk to people there, because those are the people that, that still like believe in America that still love our country. And many of them are, are unchurched or not really churched at all. And there's a reason for that because the church has nothing for them. And, and you could be, you could be that for these people. Um, you mm -hmm. can, you could give them hope and give them give them a people that, that can surround them and, and love them. Um, and, and so that's, that's, I think what has to be done. And, and incidents like this um, really show, really show the weakness of the church. I think more, more than anything else, it shows, it, it, it shows how low things have, have gotten and how, how much despair there is out there. And it's going to continue to get worse for people like this. And, and you need to be there for them. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned, um, Africa. You mentioned Africa and there's lots of stuff going on in Africa uh, right now. Uh, there was a, a military coup in the country of Niger. Um, and, and so there's, I mean, it's, that's still developing, still, you know, happening. So it, I don't, I don't feel prepared to comment too much on the specifics of, of what's occurred in, in that country. Um, but um, I think overall, I mean, we've, we've, we had an episode about Uganda and Ted Cruz saying how barbaric the Uganda law is. 
Um, just this week, the, the World Bank um, told Uganda that they're not going to offer any more loans to Uganda until they change their evil, discriminatory, anti-gay laws. Um, and, and so it, it's become clear that Africa is uh, this what target that? for what the globalist that? regime. What was that Sam Hyde meme? Where it's like state enforced homosexuality. Yeah, that's one of his first things. He did that TED yeah. talk, you know, just that's mocking TED talk. It's, and he's like, it, but like, state enforced it, homosexuality. It's so true. <laughs> and it is. It's yeah, it so is. true. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's, that's, that's 100% what it is. And, um, you know, I, I look at it, it it's interesting because Africa is, I mean, during, during the uh, Cold War, um, Africa and, and third world countries. I mean, this is where the term third world came from, you know, the first world being the West and, and the second being, you know, the Soviet uh, and, and, and their various satellites. Uh, and there were, there were the, this constant conflict over these places. Of course, America was also deeply subversive and leftist and, and pro-communist uh, because they're the one, the, the American CIA and the American state department are the ones that undid all of the, the British and, and uh, French, empires and took apart their colonies uh that didn't happen like spontaneously it wasn't like all you know all of these these countries decided hey we don't want these people ruling over us like somebody did that and that was the cia uh, it wasn't even the soviets it was the it was like the cia was trying to get ahead of the soviets and and bring these countries into uh the american orbit mm -hmm. uh but that that um that conflict really is still ongoing and uh but it's inverted now it's it's backwards Right. The the Russians and the Chinese are the countries that are saying you can keep your traditional way of life. We just want to invest in your country. And of course, they, they get resources and things like that. This They're not doing it for out of the generosity of their own hearts. Uh, but they're saying, you can keep your own country. You can you can you can live how you want to. We won't meddle in your country. We just want we just want stuff. Right. And the Americans, they want the stuff and they're going to meddle in how you live in order to get it. Uh, so pick your poison and they're, they're largely picking the, the Russian and the Chinese poison. Um, and it, and you could see why. Um, so what, I mean, what does this tell us about, about the American regime and what it is? No, I mean, this is the way that the, the American regime has existed since the post-war. I mean, this is, this is the thing, like after, after European civilization was finally, you know, put to death in world war II. Um, it was basically a contest between two styles of modernity, the American capitalist system and the Soviet communist system. And both of them were just different types of, um, you know, managerialism. That's what like James Burnham would say. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they, they had to go through and they had to capture the third world and they had to dominate um, the world by, you know, in, in order to confront the other world contender for superpower. And what we're seeing now is kind of the unfolding of America's victory in that process. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. And America's chosen the path of cultural subversion, whereas, you know, the, the East is is um, trying to help them uphold, uh, you know, their, their culture in order to and it's all it's not like it's altruistic or anything like that. Like you said, I mean, they want resources, but they also they're trying to push back against, you know, an ever expansive NATO American uh, empire and that, that's this is their way of pushing back is they have to put these um you know fortresses in the third world in africa and um you know southeast asia and places like that that's what thailand's all about it's all about you know posturing and geographical taiwan yeah taiwan sorry what did yeah. i say thailand yeah thailand taiwan. too but but also but, but taiwan, taiwan yeah. yeah it's the same thing it's the same story and this is it's about geopolitics 
uh, and human rights is sort of the veil over that. So that's oh, that's what I think. Oh, close the ad. Uh -oh. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, Gotta they want us with the ads. Yeah, they want us to buy a go go squeeze. Uh, so here is. <laughs> um, here is the deputy deputy secretary of state Victoria Newland. Look at look at her. Uh, she is the uh, she is meeting with the military junta in in Niger. She's uh, beached. She's beached in Niger. <laughs> I, Andrew, it's it's called freedom of speech, not freedom yeah. to beach. Yeah. <laughs> she is in Niger and uh, and trying to negotiate with. Uh, with the now uh, the new rulers of Niger and, and uh, get them within the orbit of the United States. And they've, they've largely rebuffed her. Uh, yeah. But Newland, I mean, what she, you have to understand about yeah, her. Yeah. She's the, she's the 2014 Ukraine lady. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's the this one that her MO she like everything that has happened in Ukraine in the last two years was kicked off yeah. in 2014 by her. Yep, by her. I mean, this is, is it, she's the one that is, was recorded, right? That this like, is how the American years. Empire does it. It HR departments its way into the third world. And this yeah. is how it expands itself. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I, she, I she's there to provide lectures. That's yeah, what she does. I, I remember. Um, I remember. You know, people talking about how. Um, how I don't even remember who the tweet was by. It was really good. Where you comparing, you know, just how foreign policy was done throughout all history. Where you go and you send a delegation, it'd be an impressive state statesman, a, a general or something, someone with with a tremendous amount of gravitas. And and now, what America does is it sends people like Hillary Clinton to go to these third world countries in their pantsuit mm -hmm. and cackle at them. Um, and it's it's like Caligula's horse being made a consul, right? It's it's this parody. I mean, it, it's it's done. I think consciously. It's done where it's like you send this HR lady to to Niger or to Ukraine and to tell them what for and they have to submit to her and, and like bow to this to this person. Um, and and it's to humiliate them. Right. That's the point. Like, I mean, who, who would go into a meeting with with this person and, and, and treat them <laughs> like they're, like there's some important figure like she doesn't have any any gravitas whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, but that, that's, that's, that's what happens. Um, and, and I think she was the one that, that if I remember correctly, um, was, you know, there was a, a leaked phone call that WikiLeaks, uh, got a hold of where she, she basically outlined the entire American strategy of the, of the then Obama administration in Ukraine and, and how they were manipulating the European union and NATO and everything to bring all of this about, um, that like, I mean, so many people, and I think people now are beginning to, you know, they're beginning to um, see, you know, what is, uh, what is occurring, um, you know, with Ukraine. Like I, I've, I've noticed a lot more people, especially, you know, early on, like, especially the boomer generation, but not just them uh, saw Ukraine and like, Oh, Putin is Hitler and he's going to try to take over the world. And like, that's the narrative they continue to peddle on like Fox news and things like that. Yeah. Um, and way fewer people are buying it. Right. So they're, they're like, no, wait a second. Uh, Joe Biden's son went to Ukraine in 2014 and 15 and thereafter and like cleaned up and, and gave all, you know, they took in millions or hundreds of millions of dollars from Ukraine and divvied it up with his dad. And what if it's about that? 
And, and like, they're starting to put, you know, two and two together that, yeah, it's not this altruistic foreign policy that we have, where we're trying to protect the freedom of the brave Ukrainians. It's that we, we want to put nuclear weapons uh, a few minutes away from Moscow. That's the whole point. That's what they want. They want to, and the second you do that, you have, you have Russia right where you want them. Like their regime would collapse because they would no longer cease to exist as a sovereign state. They would be under uh, they would be under America and and under you know everything that we would want from them, right? That yeah. that you get Ukraine, you get Ukrainian NATO, and you put hypersonic nuclear weapons where you have first strike capability. That's the point, right? You have these 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 um, missiles that can reach Moscow in a matter of, in like ninety seconds or like two minutes, and by the time they know they're in the air, it's too late for them to launch a counter strike. So you have total nuclear superiority over them. I mean, we're getting into like Cold War politics again. Yep. Where where it's it's these this nuclear politics where I mean, much of the Cold War, like you you have these short range nuclear uh, weapons in Europe, and that that caused a, a, a tremendous amount of problems and political problems and geopolitical problems there, um, because every, you're tra- constantly jockeying for nuclear advantage. I mean, that's what the Cuban Missile Crisis is over or was over is that the Russians would have first strike capability and we wouldn't be able to launch a counter strike if they have weapons in Cuba. Uh, but lo and behold, we had the same weapons in Turkey, which was just as close or not quite as close, but, but still within, you know, too close for comfort for the Russians. And that was what ended it is mm-hmm. we took them out. Uh, nobody knows that everybody thinks that John F. Kennedy just stood his ground. It was tough. And it's like, no, we negotiated an end to that. And, um, and it's the, it's the exact same type of thing where nobody has any idea that like, I mean, if you just look at it from the opposite perspective, if if China or Russia were trying to get uh, Mexico or Canada into a military pact with with them where they could put nuclear weapons within minutes of our biggest cities and were able to have first strike capability, we would not have a country anymore. Like the, the we would not we would have to do whatever they tell us. Yeah. Right. That's that's what it would mean. And so they cannot allow that to happen. They cannot. Uh, that's why this occurred. That's why this war uh, was was provoked by the United States, even mm-hmm. though it doesn't. I mean, this is what they always do. This is what they've done since this World is, War II. This has been Ron Paul's. This is like Ron Paul's thing. Yeah, like he's whole, he's been whole. right about this the entire time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, America, what it does is it does these sleights of hand where you maneuver. I mean, this is literally what Henry Stimson wrote in his memoirs. We have to maneuver Japan into firing, make it look like they're firing the first shot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they did in World War II is they knew that we couldn't launch a war against Japan because the American people wouldn't accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we get attacked, then we could go to war. And so the whole emphasis of the Roosevelt administration, even though he campaigned on not going into World War II in 1940, that was his whole campaign was we kept he kept us out of war. And the entire time behind the scenes, they're pushing and pushing and pushing the Japanese into attacking us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what happened. It's the same thing here. Right. They maneuver the Russians to make it look like they're the aggressors and that we're the freedom fighters. We care about freedom and democracy and all these good, good things and 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 lullabies and rainbows and unicorns. That's that's what America is. But reality is that, no, these these manipulative Satans behind the scenes twist and do all of these things. And and in order to provoke conflict. Right. That's the whole point. That's the entire point that that they want to they can't abide by a country like Russia existing. I mean, and you look at Russia, the stark contrast, um, what what they're doing legally there, like they're opposing homosexuality, they're opposing these things. And 
and maybe it's propaganda aimed at the West, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I don't really care. Um, because in public, that's what they're doing. They're, they're at, at, at the very least standing for some kind of morality. Whereas we're pushing, you know, transgenderism on Ukraine. Like the, I, I don't know if you saw the Gonzalo Lira uh, stuff where all of these reports from like the propaganda ministry of Ukraine mm-hmm. is some, you know, man dressed as a woman in fatigues, giving these reports about, about Lira and, and his activities and, and things of that nature. And it's like, uh, that's, that's what the war is. That's what the war is to put people like that and populate the whole country, make it like, make it in the image of America mm-hmm. uh, today of 2023. Yeah. That's, that's what they want. That's what our foreign policy is. That's what, so in Africa, it's the same thing. Um, there was a, you know, there's a post, I think it was, I can't remember who it was by. It was some, some African figure where he says, you know, we go to the Chinese to get a loan to build a hospital or a school or some infrastructure and they give us a loan. We go to America and they give us a lecture. And then some, yeah, you know, yeah. some, some idiot uh, American foreign policy clown uh, replies and says, but what are the Chinese getting in exchange for, for the loan? And the African <laughs> guy replies, here comes the lecture. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. It's exactly it. What's Victoria Newland doing in Niger? It's time yeah. to lecture. It's time to lecture. Exactly. Yep. Time to lecture. And, and, and so, I mean, you see this and, and China has, has made you know, massive investments in, in Africa because Africa is full of resources. I mean, all the yeah, all but the like oil, I, like uranium, I, all the stuff you that's, want. That's, that's all. That's all true. But like I said before, too, like you know, part of it's strate- geostrategic. You know, part of it's you know preventing oh, the expansion of America. It's it's not just yeah. economic. It's also oh, no. geopolitical. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, they, they, they all play together. Is is what I'm saying? Sure. Is, is and and America knows if they can culturally subvert all of these African countries, that they have them forever. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the it's point. True. Yeah, the the cultural subversion is is the point. I mean, it's it's honestly it's it's a very similar to the strategy of the Soviet yeah, Union. It's, it's Michael E. Michael Jones, like sexual liberation is all about political control. Yeah, it's a means of political control, and it yeah. is. It absolutely is. And so if you if you have them under the the sway of American degeneracy, mm-hmm. then it, it's it's extremely difficult because it's what 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 is the culture war and and and, and all of that? It's tearing apart millennia millennia of of cultural capital that's been built up generation after generation after generation of traditional societies of the way people have always lived ripping that all apart and you can't just put the genie back in the bottle right and flip a switch and say we're going to go back to a traditional morality right that's that that's not so easy it's it's it that that it takes generations you know hundreds of years to build things like that up and mm-hmm. and if you tear it apart you can rule these people easily. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. That's why they do that. Um, yeah. If if you because Americans are ruled easily. I mean, that's essentially you know I I, I keep you know, shilling my book. Uh, and <laughs> last week I said the fifteenth. Actually, I was wrong. It's the twenty second is the release date. Uh, keep. I'm, don't worry. It's not going to get pushed back again. It's not going to happen. But the point of the the book is. Um, is recognizing all of these means of control over us, right? Uh, of a consumerist society, a, a sexually liberated society, all of these things. The point of them is that they they put these idols in our society in order to manipulate and control us. Mm-hmm. And you have to, in yourself, as an individual and as a group, hate these things. 
hate these things, swim upstream of what the culture is saying and hate them, abhor them completely. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do what CJ says, you know, to be able to, to suffer and struggle and survive through the insanity in the coming decades. Mm-hmm. That's that is absolutely paramount to learn to despise these idols and chop them down wherever you see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that I mean, that's what's happening in, in, in Africa. And so, I, I mean, I'm encouraged that these countries are standing their ground uh, and that that they do have an I mean, it isn't just America is this unipolar thing anymore there is resistance globally to the american empire that's that's growing uh, i mean it's it's still smaller countries that don't have huge economies or anything like that um but you know russia and china and south africa brazil all these things i mean they're trying to pick them off they did this in brazil where they got rid of bolsonaro mm-hmm. but uh that that is that's what is occurring and the, and the geopolitics of all of it is is interesting and i'm you know it's not like i'm you know, it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, go Russia, go China, go all these countries. Yeah, aren't they great? Because I don't, I don't like the People's Republic of China. I don't, I don't have any, you know, particular love of Russia either. Um, I, I, I view them as the enemy of my enemy, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how you have to look at it. Like I'm, I'm not going to be like just this week. There were a bunch of um, uh, um, American sailors who uh, leaked all sorts of classified information to China, and. And it's like these these men, and it's and it's ironic because they 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 have Chinese names and they're culturally totally Chinese, and they're one of them. His mom is this you know tiger mom and says go you go to you you go to Navy and 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 she's the one that was the courier of all the information, sending it back to the People's Republic. I'm right? shocked. I'm yeah, shocked. <laughs> I know. I know. And and it's and it's like. Um, yeah, these thoughts that that like foreign people that don't have any affinity like oh they swore an oath to the constitution that's gonna work, you know like I mean that's I mean it's it's stuff like this is a total repudiation of of civic nationalism, yeah right oh we they believe in the American creed they passed a citizenship yeah. test and they're able to tell how many senators we have, citizen you know and it's a like, lot of these liberals insane. they have like they have no conception of of like national loyalty. They have zero. They they can only think in terms of like this propositional nation, economic zone, individual destiny type thinking. And they're just completely shocked when people have this slightly older. It's not even older. It's just not American view of yeah. their commitment to who they are. They're people like people just have they, they can't even comprehend that. It's it's a complete yeah. slap into the face, slap in the face to the entire like mainstream conservative uh, movement, which is completely um, ignorant of how of how people uh, human beings are actually loyal to something other than you know the the ability for malls to expand in American suburbia. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's why. I mean, you look at. I mean, you going back to World War II, you look at you know Japanese internment, and it's looked at, at as this great horror and this great black stain on American history. And really, what it is 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 the old way of thinking of people realizing. We don't know where the loyalty of these people lie. Yeah. That was the whole point. And and because there was a, a, a ton of this going on, like the um, people don't know about how after Pearl Harbor, one of the Japanese pilots crash landed on a Hawaiian Island and, you know, uh, legal residents of America uh, who were Japanese uh, broke him out of prison and tried to get him to you know, try to help him escape uh, to to Japan. Um, and that's one of the things that provoked the internment is we don't know where the loyalty of these people, like people, 
people have real ethnic loyalty to their homelands and we we don't know how if we can trust them or not and we're in the middle of a war with that country uh so you know it looks it's it's horrible some of them were american citizens and were born here and so on and so forth it's like it didn't matter to americans at the time right they they understood reality and they wanted to win a war against an enemy and that you can't you can't allow it uh you you can't you you can't do that uh you couldn't like we couldn't fight a war against china or any other country today because we don't have we have we we don't have a country where people have this deep loyalty to america mm-hmm. um anymore i mean the majority of the military still is is you know from like the south and the midwest and and they they go in because they they love america and so forth but that's being chipped away too right mm-hmm. you especially from the top down uh the all of the 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 top officers all of the all the generals are totally on board with the regime and and they're they're replacing the the officer corps in the same way i mean you look at you know someone posted you know like west point and all of the you know all of the cadets at west point and, and what they're like uh and it's not it, it it doesn't look like the military that that previously existed it looks like a dei military and there, there's, there's a reason for that they want that they want people to be loyal to they want their soldiers to be loyal to the regime and led by people that are le- loyal to the regime and not to america um and so that's really the conflict just politically between trump and and biden is it isn't even trump like people think there's this i mean there, there certainly is there are some boomers who are just like trump is this this divine figure that's true they they're people like they're people that act that way with anything um, but the majority of his support is because it's people that love our country, that love what America was and wanted to return to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's how this, these conflicts play out is you have, you know, traditional heritage Americans who love their country fighting against the, the revolution. That's, that's what the political conflict is. It's not, you know, it's not Democrats or Republicans or anything like that. It's, it's along these lines. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, what do you what do you want to say there? Here I you know I'm offering this defense of uh, an apologetic for Japanese internment. It's probably <laughs> going to be you know that's where we're they're going to come come after us next. I'm sure. Uh, no, I think I think you're. I think this is one of the things that they they can't comprehend. Like even people no. like you know in Big Eva, they can't comprehend why there's this like resurgence of uh, more of a like a hard right, like a nationalist right wing because they little it's not part of their like paradigm that individuals could have the audacity to think of themselves as committed to their people. This is just completely foreign to them. In fact, they they can't conceptualize it. No, they can't conceptualize it, but also, you know, to the extent that they can, they also contextualize it within the bad column. They have the good column and the bad column and people that you see identify themselves as something beyond just this propositional nationhood. They, they automatically categorize them as the enemy. This is literally, yeah. this is what, um, in fact, this is what Paul Gottfried's book, Anti-Fascism, is about. This, this sort of the animating paradigm of the post-war world order is there's propositional nation, nationalists, not nationalists, but propositional individuals that exist. Um, their community is built around the fact that they agree and assent to certain propositions about freedom and individual liberty and all that. And then there's the old world. The old world is you're committed to your people and there's a certain ethnos about that connection with other people and that you have deeper connections because you have a shared memory and a shared way of life and a shared uh, way of doing that, these things, a shared li- priority list 
Um, and that is that is by definition the political evil in our world. And so this this collapse of the propositional nation is really they can't understand what's happening. Um, and so I, I would say double down, you know, think about yeah. who you are. Who are yeah. you beyond just the things that you learned in elementary school during the brainwashing period of the yeah. new American order? Yeah. I, I, and, you know, I, I tell people, like, the more you hate uh, the regime, the more you learn how evil it is, mm -hmm. uh, the more you have to love all of the good things about your country and about America. Yeah. Um, and the more you have to, to focus on what our people accomplished here, mm -hmm. what the, the, the heights that we reached. I mean, the, I mean, and not in this like, you know, boomer Sean Hannity way where America is the greatest country of the world, blah, blah, blah. And it, not, not in that sense, but in the sense that the, the things that happened here, the things that our, our ancestors did and built and created were truly great. This this was a great, great nation that mm -hmm. that we built, that our people built, and that and, and and so seeing that, I mean, just um, I've you know my my kids uh, in homeschooling, they've been reading um, you know Little House on the Prairie and mm -hmm. things like that, and uh, um, and I've been watching with my kids all of these old westerns, you know, all like we went through I think the entire John Wayne filmography. And, and they love it. They love it. I want them to think about the old West and how America was settled, how there's yeah. this vast continent wide frontier that people just went up, loaded up a wagon and went to nothing and mm -hmm. built it into something right All, where I am in the Midwest in these small little towns. Um, these were built by people who had nothing and they turned it into the most productive farmland on the planet um, mm -hmm. through, and it was all where I am, you know, and, and Ingalls Wilder uh, writes about you know, the big woods, like everywhere I was, this was all trees. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, now it's, now it's farmland. And those trees had to be cut down by, by men's sweat and people working extremely hard um, in, I mean, I, I think about how frigid it is here in the winter and these people are living in sod houses. Right. Um, and it's and it, it is it's brutal, brutal conditions that they suffered through. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that it, it's a, remarkable what what they accomplished and what they did, what they I mean, where you are, where where um, they they settled California. They, you know, miners that, that came there and you know, during the gold rush and all of the farmers that came to the you know really bountiful land in California. Uh, these are these are people of <clears throat> that are inspirational. That are, you, you see what they did, what they accomplished. I mean, reading about um, early New England um, and um, the, the men and women that settled New England and the brutal conflict that occurred there between them and, and the American Indians, mm -hmm. uh, like Prince Philip's War. Like you read about these things and, and the, the warfare that occurred and, and how, uh, how savage their enemies were um, and how bloody it was is and and what what they did to <clears throat> to defend their people to defend the the land that they were taking and conquering and settling <clears throat> is i mean that it's it's absolutely remarkable and and so like thinking about those things right thinking about that i mean even even i mean even if you think about like the american civil war right i've i mean i used to have the very and, and you probably still do the 
um, like Thomas DiLorenzo take on Lincoln and things like that. I'm probably a lot more uh, balanced about it than I was. I still think, you know, he's, he, there's an example of, I mean, we can do a whole show on it of the state of emergency that there is an example within the American constitutional order as Mm -hmm. it happened, as it actually played out of a, a state of emergency occurring and taking extra constitutional action um, to, it, from their point of view, preserve uh, the American Republic. And so, you know, and, and, and of course, people, you know, our, our friends in the South uh, hearing this would be like, what? <laughs> you know, but because uh, it, you know, doesn't play out that way. But I mean, from that perspective, that's what they were doing. And it was, it was, it was revolutionary action that, that occurred. I mean, Lincoln is this Caesar type figure, um, you know, maybe not in a positive sense, maybe, I don't know, but that's, that's what he was. Um, he was an American Caesar that, that took power mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, fought this massive, massive war to keep the, the South within America, within the United States. And um, it wasn't, you know, we, we read history as though, it, you know, it's inevitable that they would win, but it absolutely wasn't. Wow. Uh, they almost lost several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if, uh, if Gettysburg goes differently, the war ends. Right. Um, so like, I look at, I look at it that way. Like we have example, cause I, I see this, you know, I saw this, you know, just yesterday, there was really stupid tweet by, uh, Michael O'Fallon, uh, talking, <laughs> did you see it? Um, maybe. Yeah. Where he's just like talking about, I mean, he's going at like Josh Abitoy, a friend of the show. Um, and, and guys like that. And Stephen Wolf, also a friend of the show, uh, saying, you know, that we don't need a we don't need a Caesar or a Franco or whatever whatever else. We need we need just need to respect the Constitution and 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 love liberty and blah blah blah. And it's like, who's going to make them respect the Constitution, Mike? Yeah. Who's going to make them do it? Because yeah. that has been the conservative mo for the last fifty yeah. years. Just just appeal to the Constitution and that'll work. It's like. They're trying to put the president of the United States in prison right now. <laughs> I know. I know. And you just, oh, well, we need to respect the Constitution harder. And you know, I, I, I say this again and again, but like nothing makes the left happier than a conservative movement who wants to go back to the Constitution because you can distract them and pigeonhole them and you can you can keep them in the state of like like um, self-enforced uh, limitation. While the left, which doesn't care about the Constitution at all, can just do whatever they want. And the yeah. conservatives are like, well, we're not allowed to push back because the Constitution prevents us from doing so. Do and it. the left is like, that's right. The Constitution prevents you from fighting back. That's right. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, this is the enemy's playbook. The enemy wants yeah. the conservatives to abide by the constitutional limitations, while the left says, we actually don't care about the Constitution. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's not politics. That's yeah. surrender. That's what yeah. that is. So, I yeah. mean, you, you, we need to look at the playbook of, um, honestly, actually, like, you know, of the contemporary American conservative movement, their great heroes are Washington and Lincoln, right? I mean, not, not paleocons. They're not, Lincoln's not a hero to them, uh, usually. But, I mean, you look at these men and they're, they're Caesar-like. Um, Washington um, leads essentially a coup d'etat against the British government in America and he's taking extra constitutional action. Did right? you see my tweet on George Washington? I no, I didn't. Maybe oh, I, I tweeted. Did. I tweeted last night. It's doing well. Uh, okay, I said, main, I said mainstream conservatives pretend like they would have been George Washington's top guy 
but they were, <laughs> but but they refused to steal an election in the face of a left that is a million times worse than the English monarchy because that would be against the law. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. They're not like George Washington, no, at all. In any 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 sense, because this like guy, people don't get that. Like mainstream conservatives need to get this. What George Washington did was highly illegal. Yes, yes. very if, illegal. If he had, if they had lost the war and he, they, they would have hanged, captured, he would have been hung. Yep. Do you not yep. get that? Like that's that. Those were the stakes of the war. And if you're not willing to engage in in that, I mean, you know, say what you will about Trump, but he had to know. At some level, they would be doing all of this stuff if he lost. We're gonna we're gonna do a live retweet. So I'm I just I just sent this to you. So you're gonna you're gonna retweet this right okay, now while we're right on now. air. Uh, did, maybe I did see it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. All right, all right. I think we have another minute. Yeah. Then we gotta go. Um, yeah. Here we go. Uh, I'm trying to help CJ get the Elon bucks. Um, yeah. We're we're I'm not quite there either. But um, yeah. The that that's I mean that's that's the thing about all of this is you know what you need what we need are Washingtons and you know dare I say it Lincolns um, to to lead us and and it and a point there is that it can't be like it, it won't play out in the way um, Washington necessarily did I mean in one sense Washington did have a legitimate authority. Right, the Constitutional Congress had some kind of authority. The, the the colonies sent delegates and so forth. Like there, there still is a, a a legitimate political structure. It wasn't just some guy leaving his plantation and deciding to raise an army, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, it was it was tenuous. It was still outside the bounds of of the the dominant power structure. And so, for this to play out, you know, how do you get to um, a new Washington? Right or Joshua Abatoy's Protestant Franco, um, it has to be through legitimate political means, and it, it might be a, a electing a state governor who is like this, um, who is like like DeSantis, but way better, uh, and he's really good. I mean, he just fired this prosecutor. Like that's the other thing is like they're like, oh, that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. Like these people are like, mm-hmm. oh, respect the Constitution, respect the Constitution, and then you know DeSantis fires this prosecutor who's just a, a raging communist, and and are they freaking out about that? Some of them are, uh, but nevertheless, like you need you need a, a governor who will just tell the federal government, no, yeah, you're not going to do that. Send troops if you want, yeah, um, and, and calling their bluff, yeah. Right? Well, that's, what it, that's what, what it means. Need. What it means when we call for a Protestant Franco, what it means is it doesn't mean to actually do exactly what Franco did because America is not Spain. What it means is to find someone who is a decision maker and who recognizes when there's a state of emergency and that you need to suspend your relationship to the Constitution in order to save the well-being of your people. Yeah, that's and, what we mean by it. Yeah, and and, and the point is to return to a, a constitutional order. That's the entire point of it. Yeah, it's like, some, that, which is something earned. Yeah, these exactly. Yeah. The, the Constitution isn't this magical document that hangs in in the ether that everyone is bound to. Law only can ever be be valid if it's enforced, mm-hmm. and it's not enforced. Mm-hmm. Not not broadly, only against us. Only against and, us, exactly. And, and, and so, you you have to make them. You have to have a guy that makes them do this, mm-hmm. and you might have to go outside the Constitution in order to get to the point where you can make them. That's yeah. what you have to understand is it isn't like, Oh, we got to preserve the constitution and, and, and 
these guys just want to rule over people. Right? That's the other thing. Like he tweeted that today. They don't these, under. Yeah. They want to re- These Christian nationalists just want to rule over people. And it, it's like, no. No. I'm, yeah. People, people, I want, people. I want crime to not be legal anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess if that's what that means. You know, I don't want a million babies getting murdered every year. If that's what that means. Yeah. I guess we're going to control women. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. They, they can't murder their babies anymore. Okay. Um, that's well, it, yeah. Like I always say, Franco does. like I always say, like I, I'm totally cool with, with women, uh, you know, making their own, uh, you know, decisions as long as they're the right ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Was, you know, it's, but that's, that's just the thing. It's like, oh, the wrong one is murdering your child, right? That's the wrong one. We can't, we can't allow that. We cannot allow that to happen. So it, all of this stuff is like control people. What do you think government is? What do you think political power is? Mm-hmm. It's controlling people. No matter what you do, you're controlling people with law. That's what law does. Wait, how stupid are you? That you don't get what law is, right? That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do these people get that to this point that they think these things? Um, it's, it's so, it's so bizarre. It's so stupid and foolhardy. Um, and, and people buy into it. It, that's, that's the thing. Like, you have total anarcho tyranny in all of these major cities, and you want to, oh, well, we need to enforce the Constitution somehow, right? Get out of here. Come on. Uh, but that's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything else to add? No, nope, I'm done. I'm all I'm, right. I'm good to go. Well, there's plenty of other topics we didn't have time for today that we'll just have to save for. Well, usually on Fridays, right after we're done recording, something big happens. So, yeah. So there'll be big news tomorrow. Um, big we, news. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we're all going to make it, uh, no time for him. Uh, he survived, um, the, um, the, the scaffold. Uh, so he's still, he's still with us, but, uh, he is, uh, not going to make it again today. Maybe, you know, maybe when we get, you know, when we get enough, uh, subscribers to be able to go live, maybe, maybe he will. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all the time I have for today. I, I we have uh, I have you know a few articles that that are coming out uh, on news.gab.com that you can check out. I have one that I just did on legislating morality, things that we talked about today. I just stole all of CJ's points to write that article. Um, Someone's gonna do it. Yeah, what I mean, what have you got going on with Chronicles that you want before we sign off here? Nothing. 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 Yet. No, there was a. Um... I'm supposed to do a book review. I did a conversation with him on uh, Thomas Hobbes, which was actually really good. If you haven't listened to that, I would recommend doing so. You know, Paul Gottfried is a big Thomas Hobbes guy, but, the, you know, Hobbes has some, you know, and he's not perfect, uh, but he does have some contributions that really play into the issue of whether the law is supreme or whether the political figure, the sovereign is supreme. Uh, and this is one of the things that we've talked about today is somebody has to be outside the law to enforce it. You know, and this is what we talked about uh, to basically today, and this is what a lot of people have to come to terms with when they see the Constitution being, uh, you know, forced on you as something that is going to restrain you while your enemies don't adhere to it. And Thomas Hobbes has a lot of, uh, you know, contributions on that. So the most recent conversation with Paul Gottfried on Chronicles Magazine is worth a listen to. And also, uh, I had Charles Hayward, uh, Haywood on. And he's been, um, you know, the the object of a lot of derision recently. Uh, but we talked about uh, Patrick Deneen's new book. So, okay. yeah, he did like a little review for Chronicles, too. So those are good things. Not to distract from Contra Mundum podcast, no. but that's what I've no. been doing over there. So No, I, absolutely. I, I'm happy to promote uh, Chronicles in any way I can because the work you guys are doing is, is magnificent. 
Uh, so yeah, that's that's really all all we got for he us here today. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Please uh, please comment. We I love the comments. We we're getting lots and lots of uh, comments. Uh, most of them positive. Uh, even the negative ones we love. Uh, the, the, this is a debate show. We like to debate. Even though CJ and I mostly agree, we like to we like to argue about stuff. And so, if you have comments, please please have it. But yeah, like, subscribe, share this with people. We're we're very happy that uh, the podcast is uh, you know people are listening and uh, and it's it's starting to take off. And so, yeah, please uh, please continue uh, engaging and interacting. We love it. And yeah, that's, that's all we have. So have a wonderful week and we will see you next time.